Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And Brian just came back from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. The Universal Orlando Resort, uh, yeah. technically. Universal Studios is one. Of, yeah, their their nomenclature is, is interesting because the whole thing is the Universal Orlando Resort. And then one of the parks is Universal Studios. So it always kind of, you know, you can't just say Universal. It, it makes it trickier. But. I know. And like, as I was saying it, I knew I was going to screw it up because it's, <laughs> it's so tricky because I grew up, you know, like in the 90s with all of the commercials being like, go to Universal Studios, like with the yeah. wacky voice. So even as I was saying it, I'm like, I'm messing it up right now. I know I am. But yes, Universal Studios, and then there's Islands of Adventure. So we are going to talk about and kind of break down Brian's trip. He had some very, very good experiences and some very, very bad ones. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the good, <laughs> the bad, and the ugly today. Also, if you have not yet checked out or Listen to, I guess, our last episode that was with Mike Rallman from the Be Our Guest podcast. Great episode. So if you have not yet listened, please do that. All right. So let's just break it down. Let's start off with how long you were there and where you stayed. We actually went for, we had five full days at Universal and we were at the Hard Rock Hotel for five nights. So that's a longer trip and and I'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end, but it was a longer trip on purpose because it was about four years since my family's last trip to to Universal Orlando. And we wanted to kind of take it easy. We, we figured like, well, this way, instead of rushing and rushing and rushing, like we usually do when we're at Disney World, this way we can take it a little bit slower. We can go back, you know, enjoy the pool at the hotel. Uh, we got the three park tickets so we could visit Volcano Bay. And we did. We ended up spending quite a bit of time at the hotel. And I will say one of the highlights, if not our, our favorite thing about the trip, was the Hard Rock Hotel. I had stayed there once about 15 years ago, maybe, and liked it. But um, we this time we kind of chose it because it's the closest one to the parks. It's the easiest to walk, especially to Universal Studios Florida. It's only... Uh, you know, I mean, kind of depends on where you're starting within the hotel, but probably in, you know, seven to 10 minute walk is all from your room to the front gates. And then Islands of Adventure is about, you know, five to seven minutes or so past that. So it's, it's really, really convenient. And we actually got a pretty good deal where the, the, what they call rock royalty, which is what Disney would refer to as, as uh, club level. Mm. We got that room for, and, and it ended up only being about, I think it was 40 or $50 a night more wow. than the regular room. Wow. And that was way, way worth it because we ended up eating breakfast there every day. We actually ate dinner there, I think, two nights. They just have like kind of hors d'oeuvres and things out, but it's enough that, that it'll it'll fill you up. They have a dessert thing that, that happens for an hour every night. Like it was from 8.30 to 9.30. So like we'd go, come back from the park and then go and get one of the, the ice cream sundaes, I think was the popular one from my kids. So we would do that from five to seven when they have the dinner. They also have a bar there so you can get beer and wine. 
which is is included in the price. So we easily made up our forty or fifty dollars a day in in food, and honestly, probably made that up in bottled water because any time we would go back to the room, we'd take a couple bottles of water for the room. The couple times that I carried a bag in the park, we were just throwing like eight bottles of water in the bag, and you know, I mean, the bottles of water range from three to five dollars in the park, so. You're talking each, just that, uh, you could probably make up $40 a day. So that was definitely worth it. But I like the Hard Rock a, a lot. It um, It's a, just kind of a nice hotel. It's not overly themed. Like It's kind of hard to necessarily pick out what the theme of it is, I would say. But they do play, you know, there's a lot of random memorabilia. They do play much different music than other hotels. It's not so much background music. It's very in your face, you know, mostly rock and roll, although it doesn't, it didn't skew quite as classic as I expected. There was a lot of, there's a lot of eighties rock. There was even some more modern, uh, there was actually most of the modern music was actually more hip hop related, which was, is probably better than, than playing current rock, I would say. But, um, you know, even at the pool, it's just all music. So my, my kids actually, I think prefer that than the more calming background music that, that I would generally prefer in a hotel. So with them, I think it was, it was a good choice. And I think you've stayed at club level at Disney, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. How do the two compare? Like, which one do you think is better now that you've done both? The only club level I've stayed at at Disney is at the Beach Club, and it was only for one night. So just to, to shoot a video, you can find that video on, on our YouTube page. And there will be a video on the, the Hard Rock Club level coming at some point. My experience is I would say I liked the Disney one a little bit better, uh, only because they seem to have more stuff out more often. Like they would put things out for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the like kind of nighttime snack thing where Universal really just does breakfast, dinner, and the snack. They do have a midday period, but it's it's just they'll throw like, they'll put out a ton of like bags of chips and cookies and things, which again, we mostly just took and stored in our room for when we wanted them, you mm-hmm. know, in the parks or later. We actually brought a bunch of them on the plane when we left. So it was still useful, but Disney does, you, you could actually eat all of your meals at Disney's club level, at least to the day I was there, I could have. And Disney's club level, and they very specifically told me this, I guess I looked at the type, that uh, if you wanted a, a beer or a glass of wine at any time of the day where the club, where the, lo- the lounge was open, which I think is 7 a.m. to 10 p.m.-ish, Hard Rocks is 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., I believe Disney's is about those hours. Anytime at Disney, you could just ask them and they would go get you a beer, even if it was seven in the morning. They told me where Universal's is not like that. It is very specifically only between five and 7 p.m. So for those two reasons, I would say I preferred Disney's a little bit. I think it was just a little bit more accommodating, but it's nitpicking at that point. I think both are good values as long as the room prices are relatively close. I think if you are within probably a hundred dollars a night or so, you're probably you and you are willing to go back to the hotel and and really use that lounge. I think you can get that value out of it pretty easily. And if it's under a hundred, like 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 it was for me, I think it's it's definitely worth the, the price. Like I said, in, in almost in water alone, it's worth it. Okay, well that's good to know because I feel like on this podcast and really on our live chats we don't talk about universal the hotels a whole lot so i'm glad that we covered that 
Yeah, I've stayed in now. Uh, I'm only missing one of the current, although by the time people are listening to this, there will be one more. I haven't stayed in Sapphire Falls yet. I, I did actually on a YouTube channel very recently. I put up a, a tour of Sapphire Falls, which was the first time I'd ever actually seen it. Now the Endless Summer Resort has has just opened, which is the the part of that that's open is the Surfside Inn. Is that like their value version? That is going to be the value, which isn't quite on universal property. It's it's a couple blocks away, so that will be like bus transportation only. Len Testa will have probably written his review for our blog at uh, touringplans.com slash blog by now, if you are curious about that. But uh, I obviously haven't stayed in that yet because that wasn't open when I was there. But I have stayed uh, fairly recently in all of the other Universal hotels, and I, I'm a big, big fan of Universal's hotels. Well, I haven't ever stayed in one, and I think it's because I always just choose Disney over Universal, and that's really what it comes down to. But now after seeing, you know, after having been to the parks once, and then especially seeing what they do during Christmas time with like the Grinch and the Wizarding mm-hmm. World of Harry Potter, I definitely want to stay at a hotel around that time of year, check it out, obviously do the Christmas stuff there. So maybe that's something I'll have to do in the future. A lot of people kind of fold Universal in as part of a Disney trip, I feel like. Yes, exactly. You go to Universal for a day, two days, something like that. You know, if you can, and if you don't mind switching hotels, I would recommend staying like one or two nights at the Universal hotels there. I think for the most part, you can get an equivalent experience to Disney's hotels for a lower price. I mean, like the Hard Rock and Portofino Bay, which are their kind of two flagship resorts, are both pretty expensive and pretty close to on par with Disney's deluxes, both in in amenities and in, in cost. But Royal Pacific is considered a deluxe hotel, and that is a little bit cheaper than Disney's deluxes. And Sapphire Falls, Aventura are Definitely cheaper than than the moderates. And Cabana Bay is a beautiful hotel that is about the price of a value resort for Disney. But the amenities are the amenities probably somewhere between a moderate and a deluxe at Disney. Like there, it has two pools, a water slide. There's a bowling alley that you have, you have to pay extra for the bowling alley, but it's there if you want it. Like it's a very very cool resort to stay in for a night or two. Do you have a favorite overall? I mean, just on the hotel, I like Portofino Bay the best, I think. I mean, which is, is you know, not surprising. It's, it's basically their flagship resort. I think it's the prettiest. The pool complex is very cool. But it's kind of the same walking path as Hard Rock, but it's another probably seven or ten minutes past Hard Rock. It's kind of for me personally because we we like we don't like to use the boat. They have a boat that, that goes in between Portofino and the parks or Hard Rock or one that goes out to Sapphire Falls and, and Royal Pacific. And um, if you're at, at Cabana Bay, you have to either, it's kind of a long walk or you take the bus. But we like to walk generally. And I we just couldn't justify like the extra walking time to stay. The Portofino and Hard Rock were about the same price. And I just said, like, I, I think, you know, when it's later at night and we're tired or it's about to rain or mm-hmm. something like that, having to walk that extra seven or 10 minutes every time when I know I could have stayed closer, I think would just would bother me after a while. So yeah. that's why we went with Hard Rock. But I wouldn't hesitate to stay at Hard Rock again at all. Royal Pacific, a lot of people really love. It's a beautiful resort. Unless it's quite a bit cheaper than Hard Rock or Portofino, I would choose those two. I think they're just, they're nicer. I think the rooms are nicer and a little bit 
bigger than Royal Pacific's. But Royal Pacific does offer, like Hard Rock and Portofino, does offer the included Express Pass, which is a huge, huge advantage to the deluxe resorts at Universal. And probably something I should have mentioned about 10 minutes ago. Mm. But the uh, Sapphire Falls, Aventura, Cabana Bay, and Endless Summer, you can get early park admission. So you can get into at least one of the parks an hour early, but you do not get the express pass with that. So uh, if the express pass is something you definitely want, it's probably, unless I forget exactly what the price is, but probably if there's more than two people in the room and possibly even if there's only two people in the room, you're better off upgrading to the deluxe rather than paying for the express pass out of pocket because uh, it's very expensive. I think for my family of four, it would have cost us somewhere in the four to $500 a day range if we paid out of pocket for express pass, which would have been more than the room at Hard Rock cost us. So did you get any perks with your room by staying there? You know, the Rock Royalty Lounge is the main perk. One of the things we really liked about the Hard Rock too is they, there's a lot of little things and, and you know, Universal does still do some of that stuff that I think Disney has has lost a little bit. Like, for instance, when anytime it would rain near the, the entrance door that was the walkway to the parks, they would just put a big table full of fresh, clean towels there. So if you did get wet or, you know, you come back in and there's like these clean, warm towels there that you could kind of towel off. We actually would grab them when we went to Volcano Bay because Volcano Bay, you have to pay to rent towels there. So we were just grabbing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we were all the Disney's water parks do that too. Yeah. So we were just taking those, but just that little touch where you could kind of like come in and and dry yourself off a little bit without having to walk through the air conditioning up to your room was very nice. Um, our friend Derek Bergen did a, a Saturday six post on, on the touring plans blog a little bit about uh, a little while ago about this, but you can borrow a, a Fender electric guitar and a mini amplifier to your room. So if you play there, one of the channels on the TV has guitar lessons on it. So you can actually sit there and, you know, try to learn how to play guitar. Oh my God. You can borrow a record player and records to play in your room. You do have to put a deposit down for, for that kind of stuff, but you do get it back as long as you give back the guitar. That's just um, wild to me. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I think there are, are limited hours in which you can do that. So they don't have somebody playing a guitar at like two in the morning, but we didn't hear anybody doing any of that stuff, but it is available. And, you know, it's, and that's the kind of stuff that, that I really enjoyed about the hotel. Like, even though we didn't use like the guitar and stuff, I, I it's a feature that is a very cool thing and something you, I, I'd be surprised if there were many, if any, other hotels that did that. I mean, there are other Hard Rock hotels, so maybe they do it, but uh, it can't be many. Yeah, and if you're listening and you've stayed at a Hard Rock hotel that's not at Universal, let us know if that's something that they do, because I'm curious. You can use hashtag TPPOD on Twitter, or just honestly, you can at Brian or I. Brian is Mm -hmm. at YesThatBrian on Twitter, and I am at Angela Dahlgren. And finally, from what you've told me, and if you're high maintenance like I am when it comes to coffee, there's a Starbucks at most of the hotels, right? Yeah, pretty much. Now, we didn't, because we had the the Rock Royalty Lounge that had coffee, it had a, a, 
fairly fancy little coffee machine that could also make like cappuccinos and lattes. You just hit whatever button of what you wanted. It was wow. almost like a Coke freestyle machine yeah. where you could just pick what you wanted, And uh, that was, that was just there all day. So we didn't pay for coffee the entire trip, but yes, if we had wanted to, there are Starbucks at pretty much all of the universal hotels, I think. All right, let's go through your, your five days. Start with day one and what you did. That's going to be a little tricky because I don't remember the the days really bled together. All right, there. let's not do that. Let's let's talk about the park. You know what? We might as well get into now that I've I've spent you know fifteen minutes glowing about Universal's hotels. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the the. It wasn't the reason we went, but Hagrid's Magical Creature Motorbike Adventure opened while we were there. That's like the longest title for a ride, too. And I have to think about it every single time I, I say I still it. don't know the name of it. I have to look it up every time. We were planning on going to Universal this summer. We wanted to go right after the kids got out of school, which was, was June 7th. And the Universal announced a few months ago that, that Hagrid's was opening June 13th. So we said, oh, okay, great. We'll delay our trip by a week or so mm-hmm. and go after that opens so we can also ride that because my kids are have gotten really into Harry Potter over the last couple of years, which is why we decided we wanted to go to Universal again. And being what I do for, for a job, it was helpful to be able to review it immediately. Right. The short version is we did not get to ride it at all in five five days in the parks. Now, the first day we did not even try because our first day in the park was the day it opened. And I'm sure many of you listening to this have seen the pictures and read things about the uh, the lines. I mean, they were 10-hour lines and, and all this, this crazy stuff all day long, which for a new attraction is not uh, unheard heard of i you know slinky dog dash when that opened at, at hollywood studios had multi-hour lines for you know the first couple of days all day and that kind of stuff but then the second day we were there we decided okay we'll go early we'll rope drop we'll get to the park before it opens we didn't get there like three hours early or anything i think we got there about an hour and a half before the park opened and we knew going in like okay we're still gonna have to wait but you know we were trying to keep our weight at like two hours or less was kind of our goal. Yeah, you you expected a long wait. Yeah, my kids are eight and ten, so they're willing to wait, but they we didn't want to make them wait, you know, four or five hours, something like that, for a ride. So we've waited two and a half, I think, for flight of passage at Animal Kingdom. So we figured, okay, if we can keep it around there or less, perfect. Did you know going into this, had you seen you know, like the media event of people waiting for hours, you know, the first couple of days of people waiting like seven hours. Oh yeah. 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 At this point we had four days left. We were just going to try it at different times. If necessary, our plan was always like, well, if this isn't early enough, next time we'll show up, you know, at the park two hours early and see how long that, that is. And, and we'll just do our waiting before the park opens rather than, you know, like that's, that's fine. I think the park opened at nine. So we got there at like seven thirty ish and there was a lot of people there already, but we figured, okay, that's fine. You know, like we said, it still might be two, you know, maybe three hours and we'll ride it and we'll just do it. Well, then they announced as we were standing there, they came on and announced that Hagrid's was going to have a delayed, a significant delayed opening that day. It was not going to be opening at nine. And at this point it was only about eight o'clock in the morning. So we said, you know what? I said, I don't know what that means. Since they wouldn't even say a time that it was opening, we didn't want to just risk it and end up standing there all day. Right. So uh, the early entry that day was at the early entry the whole time, really, because that was one of the things that kind of 
put me in a little bit of a bad mood before we got there. I assumed Hagrid's wouldn't have Express Pass. They do that a lot with the newer popular rides. That was was always expected. But then they didn't give Islands of Adventure the early admission hour which they had been doing over the past few summers, as far as I I know, where they would have either both parks or islands would have it. And I kind of thought maybe that they would do that, which the early admission hour is like an extra magic hour where only hotel guests at Universal can get in that first hour. So I was kind of like, oh, so we're not going to have, so staying on property gives us absolutely no advantage whatsoever. Even more of a bummer, really. Yeah. So technically we could have lined up at the gates before people could have gotten there from the parking garage because the parking garage doesn't open until I believe 6.30. But again, that's we'd have to get there three hours before the park opened to do that. And that wouldn't have helped us on this case because it didn't. it ended up not opening until I think 12, 12.30, something like that. So we would have ended up waiting three plus hours before it even opened. Then, however many much time there was before we would get on. Plus that day, this was the second day of operation. I heard that it kept having breakdown issues. I believe the boys from from Parkscope were saying they ended up having to ride it a couple of times because there was uh, breakdown issues and they were allowed to re-ride, but it ended up taking a few times before they actually got all the way through it, I think, uh, if I remember the story right. So we were like, okay, well... That's not great, but we'll try again. So then I, I don't need to go through every day. But the point is that we um, we tried rope dropping it again another day, and it had had a similar issue. Plus, anytime it rains, they have to shut the ride down. It is an outdoor ride. Even when other rides were not like, there were times when Hulk was still running in the rain, but Hagrid's was not. So I think they were a little more sensitive to it. Yeah. Because it's a new ride, working probably at the because it was it was new, yeah. Plus, there was lots of mechanical issues that had to be worked out. So, every time we tried it at different times of the day, we tried and we never even got into the queue because every time we went to line up, they were saying, "Oh, the queue is closed because the ride is not currently running." So you can wait basically in Hogsmeade, and as soon as the ride starts operating, we'll let you into the queue. The wait is currently, you know, two hours or whatever. So we'd wait around a little bit. It wouldn't start running again, and we'd leave. And that happened a few times. So finally, our last day, we did the same thing. We said, okay, we're gonna, it, it had worked Saturday, and this was the Saturday and a Sunday. It had worked at Rope Drop. But we, we decided to do other things. One of the days we went to Volcano Bay, one we, we did the early entry again. Uh, so my kids, my kids really wanted to use their interactive wands as much as possible. And that is best done early in the morning before the street fills up with people. So we did that one day. So our last day there, we said, okay, it's run two days in a row. Now it's run at the park opening. We'll go at park opening. We went a little earlier this time through some luck with new ticket lines opening. We managed to kind of keep moving up and we ended up being somewhere in the like 100 to 115 person in the line for Hagrid's. So we were like, oh, this is it. This is going to be perfect. We are not only we're going to ride it, we're going to ride it early and then we get to just go do whatever we want for our last day we go through this huge long line i have lots of video of this because i thought i was going to be making a rope drop video oh i was waiting for it his entire trip i think what Uh, you left like you left towards the beginning of the week and you're like i'm gonna send you footage thursday or friday so wait for it i'm like okay i'm gonna edit it and then i kept waiting days went by days went by the footage wasn't coming well this is the one that that made me furious because we went 
they had this really long, elaborate queue set up through Islands of Adventure. It went backstage at one point. You went through the old uh, Adventures of Sinbad show like building, oh. and we're walking and we're walking and we're walking and we're because we were towards the front of the line. So we're just walking clean through all this queue. And I mean, it took 15 minutes, I think, just walking to get there. And we're like, oh, sweet. And we get stopped in Hogsmeade right outside the queue. And we're sitting there and we're sitting there and it wasn't even nine yet at this point. And it gets to, it hits nine o'clock and we're still sitting, not in the queue for the ride. And they make the announcement, we hear the announcement over the team members' walkie-talkies that the park is open. And we're looking and knowing what I know about how how these things work. And Mm -hmm. I thought, why aren't we in the queue? The ride should be running. So I grabbed one of the team members that was there and I said, I asked them why we weren't loading the queue. And they said, oh, the ride isn't running yet. I said, oh, okay. Is it going to be running soon? Oh, no. We're not expecting it to open until 10 today. Why is there no notice of that? Yeah. And I said, well, what do you mean? It's not. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? We we have been standing here and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a delayed opening. It was running late last night and some of the animatronics need some extra time and this and that. And I'm like, so you knew this last night and you didn't ever say anything. And so then, you know, one of the managers comes over because at this point I'm getting a little bit annoyed and, you know, he's explaining it to me. And I said, well, why didn't you at least tell us that this is what's going to happen? So then they started walking back down the line and telling at least the people towards the front what was going on. And then it goes about 10 more minutes and we're sitting there and, and then I overhear somebody the two team members talking to each other and I heard somebody say something about 11 a.m. Why? So I lean over and I said, did you just say it's not opening till 11? And this, the same manager is there and he goes, oh yeah, sorry. Now we're hearing it'll be at least 11. It might not even be 11. Now, meanwhile, it's only about 930 in the morning at this point because we were at 10. We figured, well, we'll just wait it out. That's fine. Right, right. Well, now they're saying at least 11, and now the sun is starting to come around where it's shining straight onto where we are, mm-hmm. and it's Florida. It's warm. It's summer in Florida. Yeah. So we're standing there, and my kids are playing on their iPods. We brought their iPods knowing that we might have to sit and wait for a while, figuring, well, that way they won't complain about it quite as much. And so we're sitting there, and we're like, well, what do we want to do? So we're talking about it for a little while. And then, so I I asked this manager again, I said, I said, what are the chances that it's actually going to open at 11? Like it's only an hour and a half from now at this point, we're towards the front of the line. We, it's our last day. We'll just wait. And he said, well, he's like, honestly, he said, that's the earliest possible scenario. He's like, I don't know if it's even going to be that. So we waited a little bit and then we just decided, you know what, we don't want to it's not worth it. Like I, I was fuming at this point. I'm like, I, I don't care. Let's just go. My son really loved, was finally tall enough to ride the Hulk coaster. He really liked that. So we're like, let's just go do that a couple times before it gets busy. We did, went over, did that. We, we actually came back over to Hogsmeade to kind of check on it, found our place in line because the people in front of us never left full sun still sitting there. The, this was about 1230 still sitting there. Yeah. Uh, we heard the ride didn't open until about one thirty that day. So we would have had to sit there for, what is that? 10, 11, 12, four and a half hours in the sun waiting for this to open. So I'm very glad we didn't wait for it at that point, but we ended up just not riding. And the part that, that makes me furious is not necessarily that it didn't, I mean, it clearly wasn't ready. And there's still, as we record this, it's been open about two weeks now. And as of the last couple of days, it's still 
not opening. It's up and down all day. Um, it clearly wasn't ready. And, and I understand that that just happens sometimes. What makes me furious, and this is a, an, more of a problem with Universal and their operations teams, they just refuse to tell you what's going on at yeah. any point. And it drives me crazy. They finally did actually the next day after that is when they decided that they weren't even, they are, are not even trying to open Hagrid's at park opening anymore. Now they open it. Uh, it seems to be somewhere between 11 and 1230. Most days it opens and then runs hopefully the rest of the day, although that seems a little optimistic sometimes. But yeah, that was by far the most frustrating thing of the trip was just this constant trying. And I had team members lie directly to me about it opening where they said, oh yeah, they're testing it right now. You know, well, this is when they, the queue was closed. And they said, oh, well, they're testing it right now. It's going to open. And and then I'd come back a half hour later and they and another and this very same team member would say, oh, no, we haven't even tested it yet. And I'm like, well, you told me that. <laughs> like, I, won't ke- I wouldn't keep hanging around here and checking if you would just tell me we have no idea. Right. <laughs> like, just tell me that. That's fine. Well, and I just want to point out if, if you're listening for the first time or if, if you haven't listened to the podcast for very long or watched us on live chats, Brian may have a very like womp womp humor, but he's not a complainer. Brian is very laid back. He doesn't get really uppity about anything. So the fact No, he really does. He's super laid back. So the fact that he is getting really worked up about this really speaks volumes. I mean, it is a problem with, you know, not only their customer service and how they're kind of treating people, because I've heard stories about how, you know, how managers are coming to people outside the queue, but not really addressing people who are waiting hours inside the queue, but, you know, really the communication between the staff members as well. I mean, I'm sure like the frontline team members, I'm sure they're not being told everything either, which is a, a separate problem, but like, just tell people what's going on. Like if they had told us when we were lined up outside the gates before the park opened, if they had made an announcement saying that Hagrid's would not be opening at nine, we are hoping to open it mid morning, but we just aren't sure yet. Then that's, and then if we had decided to keep waiting, then that's fine. But to just not tell anybody until you get there and then they're like, and then we have to overhear it is a very frustrating way to go about doing that. But Universal's operations in general leave a little bit to be desired. There were a few times where we waited longer in the express pass line than we would have had we been in the standby line, uh, which is is incredibly frustrating. Like, I don't expect to get right on the ride or anything like that. I understand how it works, but they um, what they seem to do in at least most cases is they, they have a, a 50-50 split. So half of the people on the ride will be express pass, half will be from the regular line. And there are rare instances where there are more people in the express pass line. And in that case, you will wait longer, uh, which is what happened to us on flight of the hippogriff. And then in some others, they just, I think they just get the ratio a little wrong when they're, because they're not really counting. I don't think, I think they just like the Hogwarts express, they just kind of fill up the steps and the waiting area with people. And then they switch lines, but if you kind of catch it at the wrong time, you could end up waiting longer there too, which is what happened to us there. Cause I was kind of paying attention to people that were getting, you know, walking through the, uh, the gates at the same time as we were just to see how, how it worked. Little stuff like that, that, that becomes 
over a couple of days starts to really eat away at my brain a little bit. Well, and that's the other thing I want to point out is that you had five days there and you (laughs) did what most parents do with their kids is you didn't try to rope drop Hagrid's right away. You did other things. You know, one day you went to Volcano Bay at rope drop. One day you just did the Wizarding World of Harry Potter with the wands. You know, you did other things. Your whole trip did not revolve around this one attraction and getting to ride it. And it's like you were kind of punished for it in a way. And that's the thing. I mean, we online, as I was complaining about it on, on Twitter, I got a little bit of pushback from some people who I assume are, are fans of, of Universal saying, well, you know, uh, you could have just waited and ridden it. And it's like, well, yes, of course. Like if we, if, if we really wanted to ride it, we could have ridden it. But it would have involved, you know, standing in the sun for several hours. It would have involved just kind of hanging out in Islands of Adventure, hoping it would reopen. We could have ridden it actually very easily by just pretending we were putting our bag in the lockers and jumping the line, which we saw several people do. If we had just said like, okay, no, that's it. Like, we are riding this ride. We could have done it. But that's not reality. Yeah, it, it was a family vacation. You know, I wasn't there for work for just that purpose. If I was, I would have just ridden it. But I would have waited however long it took and, and gotten on the ride. But it was a family vacation. We wanted to do other things too. And it just it ended up being very hard to do that that one thing. And, and, and honestly, part of what annoyed me too is that they had mentioned the possibility of a virtual queue. And I Which think- you brought up on Twitter. Yeah, and and I think that when the ride wasn't opening for rope drop, I think that would have been a perfect time for it. You know, I, and I, I don't know with their technology and their app how possible this is, but if they could have done something like say, okay, all the people from here to here, you get a virtual queue time of like 2 to 3 p.m. People from here to here get 3 to 4 p.m. This and that. We think the ride will be open. Then we cannot guarantee the ride will be open. We cannot guarantee that you will not have to still have to wait two hours, you know, we'll put you into the queue at 2 p.m., but you might still have to wait two hours to get on the ride. Or you can wait here now and get on whenever it does open. If they had given us that option, that would have been fantastic. I probably, I doubt I would have complained at all because then again, it's, it's our choice. We can take that risk. Okay. We'll come back at 2 p.m. Maybe we can't ride it then either, but at least now we can go do something else. And, you know, like, I, I feel like that would have been a good use of a virtual queue. But to my knowledge, they have still not turned on the vir- virtual queue at all. And it's hard. I don't like com- comparing Universal to Disney directly too much because they are very different experiences and both have their pros and cons. But having been only 10 days out from my Star Wars Galaxy's Edge experience, which worked so well, uh, in fact, too well. And continues Disney, to. That, yeah, that, that Disneyland's crowds are actually very, very low, and Disney is freaking out about it because everything has worked a little bit too smoothly, I think. Uh, either that or there are fewer people interested, which seems unlikely, but their reservation systems did work so well. So coming off of that and then doing this, it, it kind of compounded the the problem in my in my head a little bit but okay that's that's enough of that i didn't want to i didn't want to rant for for 20 minutes on that necessarily but here we are but so. i have to say before we finish up with that my heart bleeds for those families and those people who you know whether they're taking a break from disney or you know they're driving up from the beach to do universal for one day and they either want to do Hagrid's and they can't. Or in my experience, I was there for one day and 
it kept thunderstorming, you know, mm-hmm. and so many of the rides kept closing down. And I know it's a safety issue. Islands of Adventure is tough for that. They have a lot of outdoor rides there. Well, and Universal I- Studios is pretty good. Just Rip Ride Rocket and the Woody Woodpecker Coaster are basically the only things that shut down there. But Islands of Adventure, it's, it's a good portion of them, yeah. Well, and I went, I was there one day, I did three rides. Because it kept storming. And yeah. granted, I did the Wizarding World of Harry Potter too, which, you know, like you walk around for a large portion of that. But still, I mean, it was disappointing and you pay a lot of money and then you don't get to do a lot. And I know, again, like it's because of the larger rides, they're outdoors, you know, safety and all that. But that's the, I guess that's my one complaint it is, when yeah. it comes to that is it's a lot of money and then you don't get your one money's worth because you do three rides and you can't predict the weather. But that's how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. And yeah, like I said, the Universal Studios is actually not too bad in the rain because a lot of their stuff is indoors. Mm-hmm. And and Diagon Alley, being that it's you know London, the rain is is a theme element at that point. Yep. But Islands of Adventure is tough. Yeah, you're you're down to basically Forbidden Journey, Cat in the Hat. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I think that might be it when it rains, like when it's thunderstorming. If it's just rain without lightning, uh, they will start opening up other stuff, uh, except Hagrid's wasn't open at all in the rain. But um, yeah, there was a part where Hag- a point where Hagrid's was the only thing in Islands of Adventure that was closed for weather, which was an odd thing to see that they even had the water rides and everything open, wow. but not, not Hagrid's. So the the whole opening was was very strange for that ride but speaking of rides if you do get to go on the rides they have some really really good rides at universal and ones that we did a lot because like i said we were there 5 days we had the express pass now the express pass i, I didn't actually explain the express pass if anyone is not familiar it is basically a fast pass except that you do not need a time to enter and you can do it as much as you want with the unlimited express pass which is what you get if you're staying at one of the deluxe hotels Mm -hmm. if you are purchasing the express pass there are two options there's the unlimited one and then there is one that i don't remember the name of it offhand but it allows you to do one spin on each ride with the express pass so you can go on spider-man one time using the express pass and so on and so forth if you are only there for one day the once per ride is probably fine because you, if you're going to want to do a lot of rides, you're not going to go back to them anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, if staying at the hotel, you get the unlimited. So we pretty much could walk on to a lot of rides or at least wait 15 minutes or less. There was a few rides. One time we did go on Escape from Gringotts. One of those times I mentioned where we waited longer than we would have in, re- in, in the regular line where we ended up waiting about 40 minutes, even though the posted time was only 35, which... And, and it was late at night. By the time we got off of it, the park was closed. So it was even a late ride. But for the most part, we were 15 minutes or less with the Express Pass. And uh, we just got to do rides over and over and over again to the point, actually, where even the, my kids were like, yeah, I guess we can do it again. Because we rode, I think the Mummy might be the one we rode the most. And I think we ended up riding it like seven or eight times. Oh, my gosh. Because they really liked that one. And it's an indoor ride, so we didn't have to worry about weather or anything like that. It's a really good, it's a little rough, but it's a very good ride. The rides get a little bit of stick for being a little screen heavy. And they, they are, 
But, uh, you know, their better rides really, really use those screens for good. Uh, Spider-Man, Forbidden Journey, Escape from Gringotts, like they, they use the screens very, very well in those attractions. So I, I can't really complain about it. I would agree with that. And they combine, you know, the ride element as well. And yeah. is that honestly different than what we're going to see with Rise of the Resistance? I mean, we don't really know what's to come, but they're going to be using a huge screen with that. So they're kind of incorporating that at Disney as well. Yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if Rise of the Resistance had elements of like Spider-Man in it where you, well, even, um, you know, I mean, it's it's a trackless system like uh, what's going to be Remy's Ratatouille adventure in Epcot, which is based off of the Ratatouille ride in, in Paris, which I've done, which is like, it's very similar to like a Spider-Man where you go through a little hallway, you pull up at a screen, mm-hmm. stuff happens, you pull up at another screen. So I wouldn't be surprised if Rise of the Resistance is, has elements of that too. Yeah, I mean, Disney doesn't really have have too much of a stick to shake at Universal for the screens because a lot of their more recent rides utilize them in some way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is a simulator. So is Flight of Passage. Navi River Journey does have screens in it that are used for enhancement, which is the way I prefer to have them used. Oh, and that produces a beautiful result as well. It is. It's it's gorgeous. And I, I really like Escape from Gringotts for that reason too, that it's part roller coaster, part like screen simulator. Like I think it mixes the two really, really well. Same with Forbidden Journey, which I got to ride for the first time in I think eight or nine years because I was taking motion sickness pills. And, <laughs> and I had forgotten how many actual sets there are in that ride i always i just remember the screens Mm -hmm. but in between there are long sections where you're going through you know you're kind of going through like the the wooden bridge and the dragon marks are in it and there's the for a little forbidden forest section and there's a dementor section and all of those are, are practical which i had kind of forgotten about now i mean there are some rides i do not like the transformers ride very much which is basically a clone of spider man I got to go on a couple rides for the first time, Kong Skull Island, Fast and the Furious, Supercharged, and Race Through New York with Jimmy Fallon. None of those, I I think, are particularly great rides. Uh, Kong is the best of them because there is actually a giant animatronic King Kong kind of head at the end that growls at you, which is, is cool. But that and fast, the rest of that ride and fast and furious are pretty similar where you're just surrounded by this one large screen and you sit there and kind of watch stuff happen around you. And it's not that engaging and race through New York with Jimmy Fallon is, it might be one of the worst things I've ever been on. (laughs) I really did not enjoy my wife. absolutely hated it. Like it made her sick. Mm. It's one of those where you're just sitting in a moving theater, kind of watching the screen in front of you. Nope. Couldn't do it. Well, in those kinds of rides, like the, the despicable me minion mayhem is a little bit like that, but the movement is a little bit more subtle with this. It's they try to do bigger movements and they don't line up. Right. And I feel like when the movement doesn't line up quite right with the screen, that's when the motion sickness really Mm -hmm. happens. And like, I'm just not that big a late night with, or a tonight show with Jimmy Fallon fan to start with. So a lot of the inside jokes and things that I, it was what I assumed they were that they were doing didn't land with me. So I didn't really find it that funny either. So it was just kind of like, oh boy, like this is a thing. <laughs> like, 
those weren't great, but the existing rides that I knew were there were, and we, a uh, rip ride rocket we had never actually been on before. Shockingly, we ended up doing that, I think, four times. The kids, the, my kids are, are thrill seekers, so they enjoy doing that. For anyone wondering, you get to pick your song that soundtracks you when you do that one. Um, my personal favorite, I tried four different songs. The one I liked the best was, uh, Kanye West stronger <laughs> because the, uh, the beat drops in it actually line up with some of the ride elements a little bit, which makes it cool. That is really neat. No, just listening <laughs> to you talk about all these rides and attractions make me realize how little I actually saw of the two parks. I, yeah. like I said, I, I only did three rides. I tried to go on ET, but that was closed too. And I was in oh, line no. for like 15 minutes. So I really just need to make a designated trip there and stay for like two or three days and yeah. really make the most of it. Do you th- Actually, that's a good question. How many days do you think you need to go to the parks to really feel like you've seen and done everything? If you are staying at one of the deluxe hotels and get the express pass, I think two days is fine. Even if you're not, but are willing to kind of spend all day in the parks, I think you can do it in two days if you, if you're staying on site and can use the early entry. Now, the early entry there is very, very limited. It's not like some of Disney's where you get a handful of rides currently, and this changes a lot. But at Universal Studios, it's only two rides. It's Despicable Me and Escape from Gringotts, and that's it Mm. for the early entry. So that's actually when we did the interactive wand stuff was during the early entry because Diagon Alley itself is almost empty. So it's a great time to explore. But because there are only the two rides, the and they, you can't use the express pass during the early early hours, so the lines actually get a little bit longer during that than they do if you just use the express pass an hour later. So that's a little bit limited, but it still does give you an advantage at least. But if you're if you're using a touring plan and you're just kind of want to do like the highlights tour where you do like all the major attractions, you can still do it in two days. You know, one either one park each day, or if you get the park to park ticket, uh, which then would allow you to use the Hogwarts Express to travel between parks. You can only ride the Hogwarts Express if you have the park to park ticket, which is a genius uh, sales tool. You know, so then you could do like one park in the morning one day and then finish at the other one and then switch that for the second day. You can very easily see everything in two days if you want to have a chance to like do rerides or see some of the shows or things like that you know three days is a really really comfortable time to see it in three days you can do absolutely everything and re-ride some of your favorites and if you have the express pass you can re-ride basically everything probably that third day you can do it in one day, but it's it's rushing. And like you said, if you have some bad luck with weather or breakdowns, then you're just missing stuff. Yeah. And it's it's too bad. ET is is a ET is probably the most classic Disney like ride they have. Like it's a dark ride. It's insane. You go to ET's like home planet, and there's all these weird alien creatures. I love it. It's so stupid and kitschy, and um, I, I enjoy it so much. But yeah, like five days is probably too much. We went to Volcano Bay, as I mentioned. And even with that, like in the pool time and our general downtime, we still, by the end, we were like, I guess we'll go on Escape from Gringotts again (laughs) because 
we don't really want to do Fast and Furious again. And we had already done Mummy a ton. And it was like, well, all right, let's go. We Let's go do Men in Black again. Men in Black, you know, is another ride that indoors and, and fun. So I do want to talk a little bit about Volcano Bay, I guess, probably to end it here because we've gone longer than I thought we would. Well, and that's two things. Um, before you go into Volcano Bay, I want to point out two okay. things. The first sure. thing is, as far as touring Universal Orlando Resort, we do have touring plans that you could utilize. And we also have a lines app just for universal Mm -hmm. so um you can download that or you could you know optimize touring plans create those we also have some pre-made ones even our our pre-made we have pre-made ones that are uh park hopping ones so like we have in fact we have a two-day two-park plan that has you jump back and forth between the parks and everything like that, that uh and you could use that to see you know most of the stuff there it's interesting to see the length of stays between Universal and Disney. A length mm-hmm. of stay uh, for Brian, five days at Universal, was maybe a little long, it turns out. Where at Disney, that might be a little too short because you're jamming mm-hmm. everything into the parks. You're, you know, by going to the parks, you feel exhausted by the end. So really at Disney, like a seven day yeah. trip is perfect because that allows you to take yeah. breaks in between. So just the difference between the two. And it's just, it just. It's, yeah, it's. If you're curious about Universal and only have like a, you know, a three day weekend or a four day weekend or something like it, it's, that's a good time to check it out. Probably. One thing I will say, if you are not familiar with Universal, but are considering it, they have height requirements on basically every ride. So uh, even rides, even like some of the Dr. Seuss land, the the Seuss landing rides that really shouldn't have height requirements on them. So if your child is under, say, like 36, 38 inches, Mm -hmm. it's probably not worth going at all because they're really not going to be able to ride much. And even if they're under like 44, 46, you're really going to want to check that out because they're going to be limited. We That's actually why we hadn't been there in a while because we were kind of waiting for my kids to get tall enough to do everything. And it turned out we thought my son was going to be too short for the Hulk, uh, which is the highest height requirement at 54 inches, but uh, he just made it. So we ended up being able to do everything. But yeah, Hulk is 54. Rip Ride Rocket is 51, I believe. Things like Spider-Man, which you're just sitting in a car with a lap bar on you, is still a 40-inch attraction. Uh, therefore, Transformers is 40 inches. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you're you're really going to want to check on those height requirements if you have small kids because it might not be worth going there quite yet. But if your kids are eight or above, especially if they like more thrilling rides, I would really strongly recommend just just checking it out one time. It's and uh, you know it's not Disney. Don't go in thinking it's Disney. They are different parks. But it is still it still can be very fun. Well, and that's something that I want to do. I do want to go to Universal and see what rides are appropriate for younger kids. I want to see if you can make half a day or a day with the younger kids with shows and you know, like kids my age, you know, three to five years old, because you are gonna have kids in that age group that you have yeah. to bring because they're in your family. So that's some that's some recon and some research that I wanna do. Sometime mm-hmm. this year or next year. So we'll see. We'll see if I can fit that in. But yes, let's finish off with Volcano Bay. I want to finish with this because I we had some really, really good experiences at Volcano Bay. We had been there about two years ago 
we went just to go to, we were in, in town for Disney and went just to go to Volcano Bay because that was the summer that it opened. And we liked the park a lot. We did not like their virtual line system. They use a system called, they call the, they have wristbands that are somewhat like magic bands, except they have a screen on them. They look a little more like an Apple Watch mm-hmm. and they call them Tapu Tapu. Basically, once the park starts getting busier, which uh, the park usually opens at nine, so by about 10 a.m., they start turning on these virtual lines. And when the virtual lines are on, there is no standby for most of these attractions of, of the slides. You, there are no standby lines once they turn on the Tapu Tapu system. So you have to walk up to the attraction like you would if you were getting a fast pass or something like that. It will tell you on these screens what the you know, virtual wait time is you tap your, your tapu tapu against it. Now you are in virtual line. Now, much like fast pass, that doesn't mean you will be able to walk right on the attraction. There can be a wait, sometimes a fairly significant wait. We found like we waited 45 minutes for one ride after we got in the virtual line. So we didn't like that system. It threw off the whole park. There were so many people waiting in quote virtual lines that were then clogging up the few things that don't have virtual lines, the lazy river, they have a faster, like rapid style lazy river, the wave pool, we're just getting so clogged with people waiting for their turns to do the other slides that it, again, operationally kind of let down at what is a really nice water park. So this time we going in knowing that we figured, well, you know what, there is an early park admission for Volcano Bay too, for hotel guests that can get in an hour early. So we figure we'll do that at least one day. And then maybe one day we'll go over in the evening and see what it's like in the evening. And that's, that's exactly what we did. So the one day we used our early entry, we took the bus over from Hard Rock because uh, Volcano Bay is, is actually located kind of behind Cabana Bay. So if you're staying at Cabana Bay or Aventura or uh, even Sapphire Falls, you can walk there pretty easily from any of the other hotels you really have to bus over. So we took the bus, we got into the park right as they were opening for the early entry got about two hours worth of sliding done before they turned on the tapu tapu system Uh, as soon as they did we didn't even get into a virtual line we just let the kids play in the wave pool for a little while and then went back to the hotel and then went to the the parks after that but in those in those two hours we did every slide we wanted to a couple of them multiple times and then we got out it was it was very nice and then our last day there there it rained for a fairly long time, but it wasn't thunderstorms. Oddly enough, for Florida, it was just rain. So I called uh, Universal's helpline and asked if Volcano Bay's slides were open in the rain, and you know, or if it was just lightning. And they said no, they are open right now. Uh, if there is lightning within a, I think, ten or fifteen mile radius, they will obviously make everybody get out of the water. Mm-hmm. But uh, as long as there's no lightning, they are open. So we went over and and. This was about, the the park closed at 9 p.m. This was about 6.30, I think. We got there and it was, the rain was just ending and there was no one in the park. I posted on my Twitter, if you want to scroll back to uh, about June 17th, I believe. uh, I posted a picture of the wave pool and my kids are in it with about two other people, I think. The slides were complete walk-ons. The Krakatau, their water coaster thing, they were just letting kids stay on because there was nobody in line. That's so, just, that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, it was, 
amazing. It was so much fun. Like I, I had always heard that if there were storms and then you went to Volcano Bay after the storms, it was dead. And that seemed to be, at least when that day, it was 100% true. You know, it makes me wonder if Universal is kind of facing those same lower crowds in the summer consistently over the years as Disney is. I think they have to be, yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you, this is what I was thinking about before, is when do they decide to use a virtual queue? I think just when the the queue itself gets long enough, okay, they turn on the virtual queue, but I don't know if there are exact thresholds for it. Uh, it does seem to vary a little bit by the ride, uh, the busier ones like Krakatau or Kona or Hona, I think it's Hona. They all have very, uh, you know, tropical and South Pacific sounding names that mm-hmm. make it hard to remember which slide is which sometimes. Yeah. The virtual lines do seem to turn on earlier than, than the, some of the other ones. But yeah, I, I, if you're, again, if you're there a couple of days, I would very strongly recommend, you know, using that early entry or going in the evening. Uh, even I, I bet even if there aren't storms, I'm sure the evening is a lot quieter than the rest of the day. But uh, yeah, that midday, it just, that virtual line system, it just, it just isn't, it just doesn't seem to work as well as it theoretically should. But yeah, the actual park, I really like, it has some, they have some really, really good water slides there. The park is beautiful. It's a really, really nice park that, especially when no one's in it. Well, now at this point, I have a two-part question for you. All right. Would you stay five days again? Yeah, I think so. I think we probably, honestly, we might try to do Volcano Bay at least one more time to break it up a little bit more. I mean, I think if we did it again, maybe we'd cut that down to like four. I think four would have been a good number for getting a lot of pool time, but also being able to ride all the rides. We also, we didn't do a lot of the shows. We just, we tend to not see a lot of the shows when, when we're there, you know, it's one of those where it's like, oh, we could go see, you know, we could, we could go see this show or we could go ride the mummy again yeah, and you're just always pick the ride. So more ride people. we just tend to do that. But uh, I, I think we maybe would knock it down to four, but if it came up that the way the flights worked out, we ended up with five days. I wouldn't complain about it. And then what are your top three tips for touring and going to Universal Orlando Resort? I would say if you can stay at one of the Universal Hotels, I would recommend that. If you can, if, if your budget can include one of the deluxe hotels where you get the Express Pass, that's the best case scenario. But any of them, one, because, because they're fun, they're nice, but then you also get that early entry and like that, you know, goes into tip number two, which is our same tip for Disney, which is get there early, get there before the park opens. Even at Universal, it seems even a little more useful than Disney. At Disney, a lot of people now know to get there early. So while you still have a big advantage getting to Disney parks early, within the first hour or so, the lines, you know, at busy times, the lines start to creep up. Mm-hmm. Universal, it seems like it takes a good two hours for those the lines to really start start getting higher. I would agree with uh, that. At least the last couple times I was there. So you really can get a lot done in those first couple hours. And after that, I would say just, you know, be, be patient. They do have some operational mistakes that they go through. And like you said, the rain, the rain does shut down, you know, a good percentage of their rides. So 
go in with your list of things that you definitely want to ride and then, you know, however long you're there, you know, time it out, say, okay, I I definitely want to do these 10 things and then, you know, focus on those and then whatever else you can get done is, is great. You know, I, I would, you know, kind of assume that you're going to hit rain, that you're going to hit a, you know, an issue with, with some sort of breakdown or something like that. We always tell people with, with Disney to take a break too, which is another advantage if you're staying at one of the universal hotels that you can go back and enjoy the pool a little bit because universal, there's a lot of like open pavement uh, and things. It's like parts of Epcot where there's just long stretches without really shade and, and kind of asphalt underneath you even some of the queues like this the queue for the simpsons ride is open it's not it's covered but it's open air mm-hmm. and it just you know it, the heat can really hit you hard there sometimes so, yes that is uh, definitely true for that too okay well i think that's all for today brian thank you for talking about your universal experience Next week, we are going to talk with Jen of the Dillos Diz to talk about touring with young children. So stay tuned for that. I hope that you all are having a great day and we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.